Why screenwriting? That's a great question to start with. Uh, I, I, I think it's just basically um, two things. And one is um, when, when I was young, um, the thing that um, came before I wanted to tell stories, which uh, I think is very integral to, <coughs> to wanting to write screenplays. Uh, is a um, is a love for movies and a love for cinema, and so I think I just became like a movie addict first, um, without any sort of concern whatsoever for the idea of writing a screenplay. Um, just just kind of getting a rush from from movies and watching movies and talking about movies and and um, wanting to introduce my, my friends to movies. So for me, I think that, that was the, <clears throat> the, the first, the, the amuse-bouche on the palette before I launched into, into storytelling. Um, storytelling was something else. Um, storytelling was the, the idea that there was um, a message that I wanted to convey, um, a statement that I wanted to say. And usually, like, and, and that didn't really sort of progress until, I, uh, for me, um, I was in my early 20s. And I, I had these ideas and I would see these, these great films from, from people that were expressing, um, at the time, for me, um, um, these kind of subjects that dealt with things that, that hit me in the heart and in, um, at my core, um, for who I was as a young adult, as a young black male adult. And, um, um, one example of course would be, um, uh, well, two examples would be John Singleton and Spike Lee. Um, and, um, <coughs> And I, and I thought, hey, you know, I want to tell stories that have like messages that are akin to that, that have that kind of, you know, that, 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 that relate to, you know, to, to, to people like me. So um, that was the impetus. And then I went on a journey of trying to discover how to do that. Um, and, um, and that. Um, that entailed um, um, mining what I love about um, the written word, um, and, um, and 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 that also involves, you know, um, a love of literature, um, a love of storytelling of all types. Um, I think that that screenplays are usually just elaborate short stories. Um, just unspooled in, 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 a, in a slow fashion um, across um, 12 beats, which would make it three acts. But, um, but yeah, I, I hope that wasn't too long. No, it was perfect. A, you said something about uh, mining the written word. That's interesting. Yeah. Can you explain Well, it? It, it, what I mean by that is, is that... Um, When it comes to writing screenplays specifically, um, you're telling a, 
um, a story in pictures. And to tell a story in pictures, you have to use these, um, these um, blunt little tools that are called words. Um, and you have to find um, new and different ways to use those words, juxtapose those words, abuse those words even, um, to, to make a picture out of a scene. Uh, if, you, if you have a scene in which there isn't any sort of banter, or if there, you don't have two characters exchanging dialogue, you have to create what amounts to an interpretation or a blueprint that, um, that the director is going to work from and, the, and, 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 and on all the other attendant people involved. So it, it, that is mining the written word. You, you have to find the right words to do so. You know, so I mean, <clears throat> so even as I speak right now, you'll find you know, this is this affects, I think, the DNA of uh, of writers and screenwriters, because um, I think writers intrinsically are always seeking, you know, even as I speak, the right word to use, because when it comes to to writing, you're sitting there, you're being still. You're being patient. If you are, if you were uh, um, born sometime before um, 1980, you were in front of a, a blank page. <laughs> if, if you were born somewhere after 1990, you know you were you're in um, you're in front of a, um, a blank screen, and you're waiting. You're waiting to get just the right word to string next to another word to get right, to be a correct um, approximation of what you want the, um, the, the director or producer or even the reader to take away from the experience of that scene. How long have you been doing this? I've been, I've been writing scripts um, in, you know, a scattered fashion for, um, I'll be told, um, like about like 23 years. Um, and yeah, that's the sh long and short. 23 years. And so was there a point when you almost walked away from screenwriting? Absolutely. <laughs> or should I ask which time or what, what happened each Absolutely. time? <laughs> uh, like, 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 um, um, yeah, uh, I'd say a few times um, early in the game, um, especially when it seemed really hard. But the thing that kept bringing me back was was pretty easy. Is it wouldn't let me go. You know, I I, I think uh, that's a complex thing to answer because I think if um, you intrinsically um, feel, you know, called to write, um, you know, people say that and it sounds really pretentious. It's like, it's like you were called to be a part of the monastery, like you're a Jesuit somewhere. And since this is not, I, I know it sounds pretentious, but it, it does actually exist. And, and if you, um, 
if you survey a number of writers, they will, they will sometimes use that phrase because they, they find that they can't, they can't pull themselves or wrestle, wrestle themselves away from the computer. That they have to come back and they have to work at something because it's nagging at them and it won't, it won't stop nagging at them until, until it's finished. And so for me, it was like that. And it only was, it was only when after a period of time in which it started to become a little facile and started to become a little easy that I, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to keep going, you know? So, um, there are other things too. Um, there's, um, there's little lessons that you learn along the way. Um, there's, there's examples, um, from, from other writers that you pick up that, um, give you, um, a, a really, um, strong, um, skill set to, um, to, to use and to borrow from, um, that make it real, real simple in my mind. Um, you know, I can, I can expound on that for like, like, oh, maybe two hours. <laughs> and that, I'm actually not kidding. So uh, <laughs> if we wanted to get into that, but, but yeah, there's stuff like that. So you found it got easier for you and you were okay with the fact that there was something sort of pulling you to do this, that it was, it was, it almost felt like it was beyond your control. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, that's basically what it is. Um, if, if I wanted to, um, to get a little bit more flowery about it, you know, you know, some people, you know, some people believe in a higher power. Some people believe in a muse, you know? So, um, the, the, I think that, um, um, with writing, you know, there's always something that, um, that is pulling you towards writing it and the story. And what kind of stories were you pulled toward? I mean, you said there were certain filmmakers, John Singleton, Spike Lee, that you wanted to emulate, that you wanted to make movies mm -hmm. similar to theirs. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, um, in the beginning, I was very um, interested in writing stories um, that were were kind of. Um, um, carbon copies of, uh, of, of the kind of stories that they were telling. Uh, I, that that soon started to evolve. Um, I started becoming interested in telling a little bit more um, action-oriented, uh, almost um, elongated. Well, not really elongated, but like a, a sort of cinematic comic book. M esque type stories because I love comic books and I grew up on comic books and and that started to become incorporated into the kind of um, um, writing I was doing and all the while um, as I was developing my craft I was you know as usual um, seeing more movies more kinds of movies different kinds of movies I'm a big proponent of um, of writing styles that aren't um, exclusive to what happens in Hollywood or in America. Um, I think that what happens in Europe and in Britain, I think the Hong Kong um, filmmakers and writers are excellent. Um, 
I think, um, you know, for example, of course, you know, John Woo, Wong Kar Wai, um, the European filmmakers, uh, Michael Haneke, uh, Christoph Kieslowski, um, Mike Lee. Uh, th these are all, um, the, they all provide a, a different um, a different set of tools that you can also bring and use. And so along the way, I found myself almost kind of coming full circle back to what I wanted to tell in the first place, or the kind of stories I wanted to tell in the first place, but with a more assured voice, with my voice, as opposed to being more of a carbon copy or a copy. <laughs> you know. Michael Clayton? Um, interesting. Love that movie. Um, <clears throat> um, why I love that movie um, is a couple reasons. Um, I think that um, that one of the finest um, um, filmmakers and writers in the business is Tony Gilroy. Um, uh, is his his work is indelible. Um, the, the his screenplays are extraordinary. Um, if you want to talk about terse, um, terse action, suspense, drama, um, and, 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 and any kind of suspense that feels rooted in reality as opposed to being too cartoonish, um, that is um, Tony Gilroy. And um, if, you know, for anyone who doesn't, you know, know his... Um, his um, attach his name to to his films. We're talking um, the Devil's Advocate. He wrote he wrote the 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 the, the first three Born movies, um, and of course um, the 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 gorgeous um, and um, and beautiful film uh, Michael Clayton, um, which is basically about a character um, about a man who is. Um, as I was saying a little earlier, is um, he's stuck in a sort of no man's land um, because he has um, he has this this he's burdened by by being able to do certain things that don't, don't that that render him antisocial um, in the world. Um, yet he's still a very um, useful figure. He he's a commodity, and. Um, He's a he's he's a, a commodity that um, is to the detriment of his um, of his own um, his own well being in, in in many ways. So um, love that film. Um, what's really great about that film, though, is what it does and what what it blends is that it it takes all the excitement. Um, that you get all the boys stuff that you like, you know, if you're a boy, <laughs> um, with, um, with, um, you know, um, bad guys and, 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 and good guys and, and, and good triumphing over evil and, and, all, and, and the gray areas that exist in between. And it marries it with, um, with, with drama that is really, really, um, I think, socially um, relevant and gives a message and harkens back to a lot of those um, 
70s films, and those are the films I grew up on and were the, were the films that I became a fan of um, when I was a kid. Um, those were films like uh, Sidney Lumet's films, um, like um, Dog Day Afternoon or, um, or Serpico or, um, you know, um, um, any, any, really any of those. Um, Network, Network. <laughs> Phenomenal film, but yeah, right. And and where the, you were talking about bl the the gray area in between, and and sometimes where the gangster in the film is not actually the worst character in the end, we find out that it was the the one that had the appearance of sort of the 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 straight and narrow, but actually where where sort of their morals got you know it's it's interesting. I, I feel like. Um, I'm not even sure where I'm going with that. I know we were watching something. Moral and, ambiguity. Okay, okay, moral ambiguity. That's the word. <laughs> okay, thank you. And 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 f it, discovering that in a character because you it, it's not always close. It, it's not always obvious to the the audience. And when we find that the one that we suspected was the bad one actually had more of um, a code of honor or ethics than one that looked squeaky clean and we thought we could trust so um it's it's th those gray areas and yeah you see absolutely. It in the news and in life yeah absolutely that's mm -hmm. that's what i that's what i enjoy um about that kind of work um i think that that you know i personally and i don't think everyone feels the same way but i feel that Work like that that enlightens you about um, areas of the human condition is edifying because you have you you grow an insight and then you have the potential to take that insight, it, whether it is creatively or otherwise, you take it and you can per, um, potentially evolve yourself. <laughs> you know, so that's Christian. What's more fun for you? Writing your screenplays or reading them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, sometimes I don't even know if I like writing my screenplays. I, 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 I'm usually starting a screenplay sucks. Drab uh, part usually sucks. Um, when you get in the zone, oh yeah, that's it. <clears throat> when you get into the zone of writing a script, um, that's when it gets really, you, you get jones. That means that you actually enjoy uh, waking up at um, 7 to 8 a.m., even sometimes earlier, um, like at around 6, and put on the coffee and sit down in front of the computer and, and to keep, keep moving it forward because you're, you're, you're confident as to where all the pieces fit and where, where you're going. And even if you're not confident, you know that you're, it's like you're getting in the car again after a pit stop um, running the Le Mans and you're, and you, you know, you're going to win the race if you, if you, as long as you, you know, keep the lug bolts on the, on the tires. So, <clears throat> so that's, that's, that's when it's fun, but it, sometimes it takes a while to get to that place. I do realize that um, for some people it never is fun. 
um, in the process. It's, it's, it, you can be slogging it out quite a bit. And I do recall when it was, for me, it was never fun writing it um, until I got to the, to the second draft. You know, until um, I got to rewriting, then I'd go, "Oh wait, no, this no, this is not that bad." <laughs> I would, I feel like I was like digging through, you know, a pile of trash that I'm salvaging some articles that didn't need to be thrown away, but, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that's that's when for me um, now that it gets fun, um, I. Don't take any particular pride out of reading anything I've written. I don't, it's, I don't know, I guess it, it's sort of like, like watching yourself on screen, you know, um, which is a meta thing to say as this is occurring. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I don't think, I, I doesn't occur to me to want to read anything I've written, you know, um, other than to check it for mistakes or errors and to, you know, to make sure that it aligns properly in accordance to, to structure and, um, and um, you know, that sort of thing. So writing the first draft at times can be, it sounds like energizing, but at other times not? Well, I mean, it's energizing when you're, like I said, when you're in the zone. So the meaning like, <clears throat> so you start writing and for me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna preface this by saying, um, cause you referenced this before we, we start talking about um, the debate of, of outlining. And um, when I was, um, when I was a kid, or when I was younger, I should say, um, I did quite a bit of outlining. And I, I learned a specific method on how to outline from some very reputable folks. And I've abandoned that entirely. I don't recommend that to anyone. Um, if, um, if somebody's new writing, um, outlining is absolutely essential in my mind, I know people have differing opinions about that, but absolutely essential. But I do think that once you have a grasp of what you're doing, that you can feel absolutely free, free to get get rid of it when you're ready, when you find your voice. Um, there, there's, you know, there's a thing. It's like, it's like, um, you know, it's like the the Picasso analogy, you know, it's like, it's like once you know the rules, you can throw them away. You know, Picasso was a fine uh, naturalistic painter at age 10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at age 10. All right. By the time he's in his early 20s, he can start to experiment, a little. <laughs> you know, so same thing. Um, uh, applies um, to um, to screenwriting, I believe. So, for me, um, I start a script and I have like a satellite number of notes. Those notes are um, usually jotted down in on something. Um, these days, they're 
in my phone. I, um, I, 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 I use the note field and I throw um, little ideas in there, sometimes bits of dialogue and things like that. When they accumulate to a point, and there's a number of these going on at once, I mean, a number of story ideas. When they accumulate to a point, I open up um, a, um, a, uh, a file on my, um, my computer, and I start, um, I start stringing those notes together. Uh, once the, I start stringing those notes together, I'll transfer those to a final draft file, and I'll start spacing them out like I'm piecing together a puzzle, like, um, like um, you know, you take a puzzle and you start with the edges first. You know, I will go, oh, this might go like around here in the story, and this might go around here in the story, and this might go around here. And then I repeatedly return to that final draft file and stare at it and go, hmm, let's put something in here, and let's put something in there, and let's put something in here, uh, and continually build it based on that rubric. And then when it starts to become something fulsome, and it, I start to get energized by it, I might spend more time on it. So like two hours, three hours, once I'm, I'm, I'm spending like six hours a day on it, it's happening. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at that point, I'm in the zone. And I'm just, I'm, I'm like forgetting sometimes to get lunch because I'm so, um, and I'm so wrapped up in the story. There you go. I believe you've referenced Dorothy Parker many times where you say the famous remark of hers, I hate to write, I love having written. Yes. I know we were talking a little bit about her off screen. Um, how do you relate to that quote? Um, well, absolutely relate to that quote. Um, writing is, is hard. Um, it's, um, it's, it, it's tough. Um, for a couple of reasons, there's two sides of that coin. That the actual activity itself um, is um, is taxing, and it requires a lot of patience. And and also, it is one of those um, chosen vocations where one is likely to suffer a great deal of critique, scrutiny, and attack. So um, all of that together makes it you know makes it tough so you have to you have to sort of build a, a, a sort of thick skin now the with that comes the the great myths of um, of the writers and, and you know and all the all the the, the writers that um, I can think of um, and, and this is across all genres of writing uh, um, most of them have this aura of strength and promotion, promotion of that strength as a writer and in their writing, um, and you know those and the finest examples of it is Dorothy Parker is a, probably one of the one of the you know the um, the the pinnacle 
roots of that, of, of that um, idea of strength. Um, as well as someone, you know, of course, like Ernest Hemingway, um, Hunter S. Thompson, James Baldwin. Um, all of these characters convey strength. And, um, um, and that is a, um, is a quality that comes from having to deal with the rigors of being a writer, of putting in those hours, of spending that time, of building your voice as a writer, and to have conviction as a writer. And, and it also speaks to something a little bit that we talked about just a few minutes ago, which was the, the character that you were referring to in Michael Clayton. Mm -hmm. And that is, they don't really fit in this box, they don't fit in that box, they kind of, there's not really a place for them, but they can't just fade away. This is true. Mm -hmm. uh, this is absolutely true. I think that that's a really, that's an interesting analogy and an interesting point that you're bringing up. Um, I think that, that once you go down the road, um, um, as, um, is it, um, uh, I always get um, Thoreau and Emerson uh, confused, but I believe it was Thoreau. Um, the road not taken, so to speak. Um, once you go down the road not taken, <laughs> you know, a friend of mine used to say, you know, it's, you know, it gets a little sketchy down there because the road not taken is often patrolled by the cops. So... <laughs> So uh, once you go down that road, don't expect um, to not face adversity, you know, um, and don't expect it to not change you. Um, don't expect it to not um, to, to not make you something that you don't expect that you're going to be. Um, you will you will more than likely um, become smarter, wiser. Um, you will um, you will have survival skills that um, you probably didn't expect that you would gain, but it will turn you into something else. <laughs> That's really interesting, for better or worse. Yes, yeah. yeah. right. I like what you said. How going down this road that that's you know, there's there's not, um, it's kind of a, a dark, murky road where you're not mm -hmm. really sure what's in the shadows, but it also is maybe sort of a metaphor for what a lot of writers have been maybe more alone or, I know outcast is, is not the right word, but um, they're used to having to be their own strength. Well, I mean, or yeah, to, 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 to a degree, I mean, like, I, I know a lot of writers and I've spent a lot of time around writers. This is a whole other subject matter. We can get into this in a bit. But, um, but um, being alone as a writer is not so bad um, because writers aren't really alone. It's a... Um, it's, um, it's a kind of illusion because writers are besieged 
with the often with especially if they're writing stories they're besieged with with characters that live with them so and it's 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 this it's this misnomer to say a writer is alone in fact it's like writers writers in a sense if you want to if you want to call them you know antisocial they aren't antisocial um by you know, I think by um, by nature, they're antisocial by choice because they just want to get back to the people they know, <laughs> or, or the people that they that they're currently entertained with, and um, and I think that um, I think that that's um, really what it is. Um, um, I, I think also conversely, many writers are extraordinarily gregarious. Um, um, my my personal mo, I think, is that I have two sides, um, and those two sides are I can be incredibly quiet, totally bashful, really shy. Um, a real introvert, and then I swing way to the other side, and I can be incredibly um, gregarious and an extrovert, and and, and and highly social, and you know, and loud and boisterous, and all those things. I don't know what that means, um, and um, but I do know that that it, that is not um, that is not something that is unusual. That 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 many many writers are fill that mold. What are your core beliefs about pursuing a writing career? That's like huge. Um, that is, and what I mean by huge is like, there, there's so many things there. Um, the, 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 the main thing is, um, for me, is you just have to be um, committed and you have to have passion um, as, a, as a writer. Um, regardless of what genre of writing you're working on. Um, I think that first and foremost, that you have to consider yourself a writer, not a screenwriter, but rather a writer. That's just me. Some people might say um, otherwise, but you really have to consider yourself a writer because if you don't understand how, how, how to take writing out of the the arena of solely just um, crafting um, spec scripts, um, pilots for TV, and um, and feature screenplays. You're never going to really develop um, some innovative skills at actually doing those things that catch people's you know attention. So I think that's very important. So that all falls under the ballpark of commitment and passion. Um, so that means that you basically, you, you, you need, your, your friend is a, is like, um, is a cup of coffee and your, your, your seat in front of that, you know, that computer screen. Those are your friends and you better get comfortable with them, you know, um, because <laughs> you're gonna need them, <laughs> you know. You have to you have to spend the time um, to 
to learn to do uh, what you want to do. And also, this is the other thing, you know, um, it's an excavation. Um, and it's not an excavation of the, of the work that's in front of you per se, although it can be. It's an excavation of yourself because you start to realize who you are as a writer. You start to realize that like, let's say like, you know, we're using a, a baseball um, uh, analogy. You throw a mean curveball, you know, you start to, and you go, oh, wait, wait, I throw a mean curveball. You know, it's like, um, well, let me, let me work on that a little bit you know, sort of thing. So um, that that's what you start to learn about yourself. But first, you, you might, you might, you know, just think you're just a good shortstop, <laughs> you know, when you begin, you know, before you discover your own peculiar talents. When was that clear to you? Uh, that's an interesting uh, question and um, that's going to be fun to talk about um, when that was clear to me was um, I, I, um, I when I started writing in general I wrote a lot of poetry and I enjoyed writing poetry and um, the craft of writing poetry. And so I thought that maybe it would be easy to use what I know from, from poetry writing uh, to, to develop um, um, writing screenplays. I, 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 I wrote my first screenplay and I had the great fortune to, to meet and for a, sh a short period of time um, received some mentorship from from a guy who, um, who who took a little bit of interest in me, um, a a director um, from old school from old school Hollywood um, um, named Ted Post, and he was very very gracious and generous to um, to offer to read my first screenplay, and he read it and he got back in touch with me. And he said to me, he goes, Christian, you know, I got to tell you, you know, it's like, I think you got some talent. I think you know how to write some dialogue, but you have no idea how to tell a story. And it's like, and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, well, gee, well. Tell me what you really think. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but thanks, you know. And he's like, I want you to go out and I want you to buy this book. And um, I, I, I bought this book uh, called The Art of Dramatic Writing. The most important book, I, one of the most important books, I should say, that I've um, read in terms of my writing. Um, definitely the, um, the book that helped set me off on, on the journey. Um, by Lalos Egri. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, and um, the book is um, is not so much about um, 
writing for the movies as it is, the, the classical elements of telling story as it relates to, um, to the plays of Ibsen, Shakespeare, um, even um, a, a, a few more modern plays of, of, the, of the early, um, the early um, 20th century, um, such as O'Neill's plays and whatnot. And that really started to break down for me what I understood to be um, structure. But even then, I was still a bit flummoxed on how to find a, a way to have a confidence when I would attack a screenplay. Because I was like, okay, there's this over here. And... Um, I have, I think I have a good idea of, 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 of voicing characters and, and writing, you know, interesting dialogue, but I'm not so sure how to marry the two. So I had written one script and, um, and some people were responding to it, um, pretty well in almost like a lukewarm fashion, but they were like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's got a middle, a beginning, a middle and an ending. And I, um, I stumbled across, um, um, a copy of Shane Black's The Long Kiss Goodnight. And I noticed specifically how Shane wrote his screenplays. Um, these um, terse little bursts of, uh, of word formations um, to, to convey the atmosphere of, um, of, the, of the action lines and the descriptions of each scene. Um, just, it was just so exciting to read that and, to, and how kinetic it was and how, how he sort of, just kind of like broke rules, certain rules, not like, not broke rules just to break rules, but just broke certain rules so that he could, he can meet certain um, um, objectives um, in a very targeted fashion. And I thought to myself, well, like, I, I can do that. That's not, I can, I, I see what he's doing. I see the architecture underneath it, and I can I can definitely do that. And furthermore, I found it very relate a great deal to to um, what it was like to writing poetry because poetry is often very um, 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 elastic with 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 language and with words, and 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 Shane's work was very elastic. So um, with with words and sentences and the grammar was, he had paid no attention to grammar, really. Um, it was just all about getting you to understand the scene. And so um, I, I took that on and I rewrote that, that, that screenplay that I had and then boom, lots of people were all, loved that script. Um, and in fact, um, uh, it, 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 it secured me a finalist position with um, Tribeca All Access um, oh. soon after that. And that's when I knew I was on to something. 
that's when I realized like, hey, I can do this now. I, I know what to do. I have, I have all my, I, I have all, all the paints in my, um, in, in, in my box of paints. So, yeah. Should someone be fearful with building their entertainment career or at least cautious? Um, yeah, I guess so, but you know, mostly be fearless because what I mean by that is, um, is that um, there, there are so many forces that want to strip you of your voice as a writer um, and to make you compromise that voice and to, um, to make, uh, undermine that voice and um, confuse you into thinking that um, you should undermine your voice. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, the, 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 greatest, the greatest writers um, in screenwriting, um, we, we, we know who they are simply because not only when we read the scripts, you know, their voice is, um, is apparent and, 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 and rises to the surface. But when we, we see the, the, the finished products, it's apparent. I mean, it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you separate, you know, I mean, you know, the sound of Tarantino, you know, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you know, the sound of Diablo Cody, you know, you, you, you know, the sound of, of Spike Lee. I mean, these people have sounds, you know, that's your voice. And if you're not working um, you know, you if you're not you know sharpening your quiver to towards that to uh, towards that direction, then you're not going to ever sort of stand out from the crowd because that's what ultimately is the goal. That's what makes you you know if we're going back to our Michael Clayton analogy, that makes you the 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 commodity that cannot be um, um, avoided that, that that people have to come to. In the end, he's going. Well, we need him to do this, you know. We need we need to call we need to call up. Um, 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 oh, I'm forgetting her name. Is it Phoebe Waller um, Bridge? We need to call her to punch up a script, <laughs> you know, because we need that voice. We need that voice, and 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 and. And all you need to do is say her name and you know what her voice means to that, to that project. It is, it is absolutely, absolutely paramount that every writer get to that space. Because then, you know, people, you know, agents, producers, executives, they're, 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 they get bombarded with crap, you know? They get bombarded with a lot of the same of this or a lot of, you know, like this or, you know, or, or, or people, 
people that sound like Sam Beck. <laughs> people that sound like this, you know, people like, you know, that's, you know, that, that want to be David Peoples, people that, you know, <laughs> and, um, and they don't really want that. They want you. They want to know who you are. You know, they want something that's so unique and, um, that, that they can go, oh, well, you know, nobody else has that. So this is, this is the one-stop shop where you can go to. And so you only can go to that store to get that. That's it. You said, I think writing screenplays specifically is a love for the art of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, sort of dovetails to what I was discussing before. Um, a little bit with um, um, mining um, the written word, but um, <clears throat> um, yeah, it's when I'm. But also, just to elaborate on that, it's it, it's really the classic. Um, it's the classic example of um, having that um, that command of telling a story around a campfire, and um, to um, take people through a journey. That, um, that keeps them um, entertained, but also leaves them with, um, with, um, with something, um, something that sort of delights them in a special way. Um, th that is the art of storytelling. That is the, um, um, the thing that has occurred time and memoriam since, you know, the cavemen were drawing on drawing on the, the, the sides of, uh, of the caves. So it's the, it's, it, that's, that's what I'm speaking of, speaking to. And that's what you do um, with, um, with the screenplays, the first, is, this, is the first um, um, brick in, in building that wall, um, the wall where it will be projected eventually. It's, um, you know, the theater is the big, um, is the big um, cave that we all, we all um, huddle inside. I like that. So it's not just the love of the final product, which is seeing these characters come to life and getting an audience reaction to, will they laugh at this part? Will they gasp at this part? But also just the, the real love for crafting it and, and ruminating over this word or should this character enter here or there? Well, I think that um, all filmmakers, and what I mean by all filmmakers is that all, um, all craftspeople in the art of filmmaking, from the writer to, um, to the production designer, to the actor, um, to the director, um, to hopefully the producers, uh, um, have a, a passion for telling stories. And that's where, that's where everyone collaborates. That's where everyone um, comes together because they go, how can we tell this story in the best possible way? Because everyone's excited about that prospect and that notion. It's actually um a larger than it's larger than any one one person's um, aspect on on the production is no one is the sole avatar of that 
uh, of that objective. You know, it's like, oh, how can we tell this this great story we're all excited about? You know, how can we succeed at that? Do you think when a writer reaches a certain level, they no longer need to work on craft? No. <laughs> no, that you got to remain teachable um, as a writer. Um, it's, uh, I think it's extraordinarily important. Um, you know, you always have to be willing to learn. And I think that um, um, writers um, tend to um, give off this air that they're like um, poor man intellectuals. Um, I don't, I, I don't think they really are. <laughs> uh, I, I think that they, um, I think that they, they have to continually um, be in a process in which they are allowing themselves to be vulnerable and open to, to new things. I think they do a good act at, um, at seeming to be having um, um, a wide array of knowledge. Um, there's, there's the writers actually do talk about this. Um, there, there's a lecture um, that incidentally Tony Gilroy um, gives where he, he basically talks about um, how, um, how um, writers have this amazing capacity to ha know a little bit about um, so many various subject matters, but nothing, never an extensive amount about one thing. You know, we are, I think, in, in a sense, you know, dilettantes by, by nature, <laughs> you know. In other words, yes, we, we have to be open, you know, we can't, you know, there's, there's no. So you gotta, you always gotta be practicing. You always have to be honing your work. Um, you're always willing to learn from somebody else. Um, um, there's, I learned so much from, from other writers. I love to listen to, to, to other writers talk about how they do things and, um, and, and certain techniques and ideas that they uh, apply. Um, I think um, any true writer is, um, is a curiosity junkie. Um, that they're, it's, just, it's just that they're, they're just need to keep getting more information you know, about whatever, you know, whatever is, how's this work or how does that, you know, hmm, that's interesting, you know, um, you know, even if it just flies in one ear and then out the other later, you know, we are curiosity junkies, so. That's fascinating. What is a poor man or poor woman's intellectual? What is that? <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might come under that category. Well, what I mean by that is, it is like, is is that I think that writers do a good job of sounding good, um, of, um, of sounding like they know what they're talking about. Um, I think um, um, there is a there is a kind of um, sometimes um, a kind of um, intellectual arrogance some writers can have. Um, but I don't think by nature, um, being a writer, um, 
is a um, is a is a prerequisite or uh, or any any kind of standard for your intellectual capacity whatsoever. Um, I, I I I you know just because you ha you have a large vocabulary doesn't make you a professor. Um, and and um, often I do believe others get that confused, including the writers themselves. <laughs> so we believe our own hype. Oh, yeah. But maybe jack of all trades, see, see, master There you go, them. there you go. You just explained <laughs> it in such, in, 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 in terms that are far more simpler than I just did. Hence, hence, <laughs> hence, you know, um, you know, explaining what I was. Well, there you have it. Well, I think I'm, I'm further down on the scale. I haven't, I haven't mastered total, total intellectual. But what I'm curious is of um, how can we tell if we're not teachable? You talked about become, being teachable, mm -hmm. and, and that's something that we never stop. Uh, you know, getting to that point where you've never mastered the craft. But how do we know? How can we check ourselves? That's easy. You just gotta listen. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You know, if you aren't if you aren't spending enough time listening, it's pretty easy. You know, that's that. That's how I think that basically you have to check yourself if you're if you're teachable. You gotta listen to people. Um, you 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 have to um, you have to listen to what others are doing. Um, and if it jibes with you, that's cool. If it doesn't, that's fine. You can, you can go and do your own thing. But it doesn't mean that you, um, you need to block it out or you have to discount it because obviously it works for them. And you don't have to hold any judgment over it either. You think there are times when we become unteachable and then we kind of vacillate back to being teachable and, and it's like this battle? I think that um, I think that that's a larger life question and that 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 um, that comes with a bit of wisdom as a writer. Um, um, if you're if you're a young writer you may and you you achieve a modicum of success you may start to believe that you are um, you're beyond any kind of um, 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 growth um, or um, you, that you can't develop any further and at your craft um, and then you you might turn around and go oh, no I was absolutely wrong you know it's like uh, you know, I I do have more to learn, um, so I don't think that um, I, I don't think that that's just a straight um, writer inquiry. I think that's a larger it's a larger question. It goes towards life. And one last life question, and that is, do you think having early success is a curse? These are deep philosophical areas you're getting into. Um, That's my own believing my own hype. Here, so. <laughs> but I am curious. Um, I don't know um, um, because I wouldn't I wouldn't know the experience of 
<laughs> Me neither. Um, but I think that maybe I've heard some writers um, suggest that they fit, feel that they were um, stifled because they received early success. Um, I have experience um, with writers and I've known writers and in, in intimate ways that um, I know that they've had issues with success um, because it's, um, it's a very, um, it's, it's a seismic thing to occur. And um, often you might get confused and, and attribute it um, to, to something that is beyond, um, beyond even your, um, even the product that you, that you put out there. Um, and if you do that, then you, you can, you can lose your way, you know, at, at, you know, at the thing that you love to do the most, or if that is writing, um, then you could maybe, um, you know, lose a, lose a little time, you know, um, um, writing the kind of things that you want to write and, and developing the kind of projects you want to work on. But, um, yeah, yeah. I've heard of such a thing. Yeah, it reminds me of one of one of the scenes I love in the movie um, End of the Tour, I believe, about David Foster Wallace and the Rolling Stone journalist that comes to his house mm -hmm. in Illinois and interviews him for a week. No, I've never seen that. Oh, it's, it's so good. And uh, I know it got a lot of criticism. I loved it. I, I know there were people that had their criticisms of it, but the, the David Foster Wallace character says, I cherish my regular guyness. That's something I really cherish. And I, I'm just assuming that he meant sort of like not believing the hype. You know, he was this young writer, he was 24, I believe, when Infinite Jest came out. And and just making sure that he cherished that regular part of himself. Again, I'm I'm projecting onto that, but I'm I'm I just love that scene because you know, here's this young journalist played by Jesse Eisenberg that's coming to interview him and, and pick him apart and find mm -hmm. out what makes him sick. And just, you know, the two bond as friends and it's anyway. It's it's reminded me of that when you talked about that. So I have to see that now. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of sad parts to it, um, but um, it's based on a real interview that a journalist did with him. Keeping with this subject, the writer who lands success with the first screenplay is a, a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do we still think this is different for us individually? Mm, what do you mean? Well, so many people think it's going to be different for me. Uh, oh yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is different. I, I know other people took them 15 years to get this one film made, but they haven't seen my work yet. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's 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 really weird. Um, it's um, it's 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 a funny thing um, when people approach it that way. Uh, to this day, I find it. I find it not only cautionary, but uh, I kind of find it tragic um, that a lot of people um, come to Hollywood or just in general um, um, come here with this hope, this um, this um, this dream that they can they can do this one thing, um, and I think that the trend has been for the last thirty years about that. You can write this knockout one-time screenplay, get it to the right person, 
and somehow um, magically um, you will become a star screenwriter. Um, I think that um, a part of that has to do with the, um, the, the celebrity that has been attached to the, to the screenwriting profession recently. Um, well, when I say recently, I mean the last 30 years. Um, it, it wasn't like that always. Um, it, was a, it was a very behind-the-scenes um, profession, and, um, and now it has, a, 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 um, it has this, uh, this, this heightened patina of notoriety that people um, aspire to. Um, it's like, you know, people wanted to come to, 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 you know, or go, go to, go to, um, Hollywood in the sixties so they could become, you know, lead guitarist for some band, wow. you know, it's the same, it's the same, um, um, elusive objective. You know, this is so gruesome, but you just triggered this memory of when I first came to LA one of the first things I saw was a girl that had jumped from her balcony. And the, we, we may cut this, but her body was covered and the neighbors were all watching. Mm -hmm. This is in Hollywood and it was like a four-story balcony. And I never forgot that image because I always wondered who was she? Why did she jump? Mm -hmm. What I mean, she was living in this nice apartment, much nicer than the place I lived in, but what would prompt her? And, and I guess just the reminder of that and being so young coming here and seeing like this, you can fall, I guess, is the analogy. And yeah. I know I'm going on a gruesome take here, but it never left me, you know. And no, no, I, I it, yeah, who, what, what, what was her background? I mean, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, it's like um, my, my circumstances um, here are, um, are well they're they're actually quite convenient um i'm from i'm from los angeles um i had no ever desire to um to get into writing or writing screenplays it just was something that i was compelled to do um i think and, and, it, and, and furthermore, I wasn't compelled necessarily just to write screenplays. I started out writing poetry and I just wanted to write. You know, I think that that's pretty much the healthiest mode in which anyone starts writing anything. <laughs> you know, they're writers. Um, they um, they want to write. And then it, then when they, they identify, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to do a screenplay. Oh, I want to write a screenplay. And it's like, oh, great, go ahead, write a screenplay. You know, um, I do. I don't think your first screenplay will is likely to probably get you uh, anywhere. But um, if you keep writing screenplays, you will learn. And and once you start to learn, um, you will you will hit a screenplay that'll you know, we'll turn some heads, you know, it's, that's, that isn't uncommon. That isn't a fantasy because it happens. <laughs> it happens pretty much every day. That is not a fantasy. What is a fantasy 
is if you come out here with one screenplay and you're gonna knock it out the part and you think that that's all you need to do because that ain't happening. <laughs> do you ever envision your script sitting in a pile on someone's desk or maybe in their study on a weekend and think, what's gonna make mine stand out here? What chance do I have? Yeah, absolutely. The way I look at that, you know, and this is at the risk of sounding redundant, is, uh, you know, I've talked about the whole aspect of the voice. But, you know, the, the voice is one thing, but, you know, I am, in my case, I'm confident in my voice. Now, you go on, you move on to that other word, which is confidence. So with that, with, with, with confidence, um, you, what you want to do when you have like a polished sample or a polished spec script um, and that, um, that you're submitting or, or somebody's reading or it doesn't matter who's reading it. It really doesn't because when, once, you're, once you are um, um, mincing um, who, what eyes are on your script, you're in trouble right there. You, 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 you need to convince anybody and anyone that what you have is is worth seeing turned into a movie. So what that means is you either you have either have to um, knock them in the head, um, um, punch them in the gut, or kick them in the balls. And 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 and, and 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 that's something that you have to be doing in the narrative of your story. Um, and and if you know you are doing that with your story. You know, you'll notice what I'm saying here is like, it's not just your script, it's your story. Because your script is a artifice that starts to make someone um, believe that they are reading a, 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 a story, a, 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 a potential movie, something that they get immersed in, that they get lost in. Now, if you're not taking them to that place, if you're not creating that illusion with the words that you mind to do it, then you have lost from the get-go, from the beginning. So that's, if anything, is what I imagine if somebody has my, uh, uh, my script in a pile over the weekend. And the thing is that what, what I enjoy about that thought or that that metaphor um, is that you know I, I've you know had experience with running the gauntlet of that metaphor is like um, um, <laughs> is like you know you you know when you like you're like oh hey like let me give you that kunk that'll get your attention boom and then you know you know you get the call you get the phone calls like wow I love your love your love your screenplay. Was amazing. That really hit me. I was I I read, I read two hundred scripts over the last five days. <laughs> you know, that's the, you, there's nothing more that you love to hear than that. You go like, and yours got my attention. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like uh, th that is that is like that. You know, that's the kind. Well, two hundred might be a little, but uh, you know, people read a lot of scripts. Um, in the industry, and and that's because there's a lot of stuff out there that you got to fight to get through, 
um, to, um, to, to have people recognize your talent as a storyteller. So you, like I said, you know, you got to whack them in the head, you know, um, punch them in the gut or kick them in the balls. So, yeah. Okay. Can you, can you give me an example of a movie that is going to whack them or kick them in the nether region that, that. The nether region. <laughs> Sorry. The nether region. In case it's, you know, PG-13, whatever. <laughs> I'm censoring myself. <laughs> Can you give me an example of a movie that if I saw an opening, it would do that? And if that was the script I was reading, I would be feeling that to one degree or another. <laughs> okay. Um, let me see um, one that I can think of. Well, you know, um, just because we were just discussing it, um, 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 Michael Clayton is great because you have you have a lawyer who takes off his clothes during a deposition. You know, immediately I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen every day, hopefully. Yeah. You know, I'm in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what is this about? I want to know. I'm curious. <laughs> you know. Right. Okay, that, so, that works. So, yeah. like, you know, th th that's one. I'm always at a loss for, like, pulling um, examples for, for some films, like, you know, at the, at the drop of a hat. Let me see if I can extrapolate. I can, like, if I go down the list of, like, you know, for me, of, um, of Tony Gilroy uh, movies, it's really actually not so hard with him because, like, you can go, to, like, to The Bourne Supremacy, which is an amazing opening, one of the great openings. Where like um, you know um, there's a chase um, and um, they they find where Born is um, where he's hiding out um, with his girlfriend and his girlfriend dies <laughs> in the first <laughs> in the first ten minutes I think of the film and I'm like and you're like the stakes are so high at that point um, it's um, this is you know this is what you have to do with your storytelling. Most of the time. Now, now, what I mean by that, when I say like, um, uh, um, um, you know, whack someone in the head, punch someone in the gut, or kick them in the nether region, so to speak, um, is 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 that it can be a slow burn too. It doesn't have to be um, immediate. If it's a slow burn and it and it hooks you, you'll notice that sooner or later it will. It has you in its grips to the point where you're like, where where it'll do something that is um, so enthralling that it won't leave your memory, that you won't you just you won't forget it, it it just won't go away, you know, and 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 that is what you're doing with storytelling. If you if you are under the um, if you under the notion or the idea or the the misconception that you are you are trying to um, express um, something that you feel is um, well, for lack of a better term, you know, I, I think that 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 some writers, new writers, um, they get caught up in these masturbatory exercises of emulating. You know certain um, other um, writers and and filmmakers that they really admire, and it's just an indulgence because they're just trying to piece together the things that they that they like 
thinking that that's going to make an impression on the reader. But that is not going to do it. You know, what's going to make the impression is someone getting lost in what you're telling them, you know, and, 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 and the way that you tell them, um, tell them it. Um, and if you get, if you get caught up in those kind of details, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. You know, you're not, your people are going to get bored and they're going to shut your script because what really happens with readers, what really happens with executives and producers and people that have very busy schedules is they take five pages of your script and they read it and then they put it down if it doesn't hook them. You'll be lucky actually if you get five pages. You'll be lucky. So those five pages, whatever you're doing in those five pages, whether it's the way you've written that description, whether the way it's the way that you've delineated um, those characters, whether it's 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 a passage of dialogue, they have to, they they have to be firing on all cylinders, or it's like so and so. <laughs> Next. It becomes a drink coaster. Yeah. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. Yeah. That's the way it works. Can you give me an example? And I'm trying to come up with a euphemism for the term that you use, but of, of a writer who's stroking their own ego, a master of their domain, as you so well, eloquently well, they, put it. Well, they're, they're bad writers. You know, it's okay. it's like you you can't you can't take on you can't take on someone someone who is successful because more than likely they're doing something right. Do you know what I'm saying? So so so, so you, uh, you you can't you, I, I I can't cast dispersions against anybody that's successful at what they're doing because they're doing something right to and to get some, uh, to get people's attention. So. Um, it's, you know, it's 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 simply just that. It's like keep keep people turning the page, you know, and um, and 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 tell your story. But you gotta you gotta keep them excited, or they'll throw it away. Sometimes I've gotten into the situation, and this happens a lot, where um, where someone will say, "Send me send me a couple of screenplays." Send me, um, send me three free scripts <laughs> or something like that, right? Now you have to be smart about that, all right? Because when you do that, you go, well, maybe, maybe they like this, maybe, or maybe they won't like that, and maybe they'll like that over here, all right? So you send it. And, the, and, and, and sometimes they'll go, you know what, I, I, I was reading, I've been reading a pile of scripts and, you know, um, one of your scripts, you know, it's, I just didn't really connect with, but the other one, oh, oh, because you, you, you know what you're doing. That's the confidence I'm, I'm talking about. You know what you're doing. It's like, well, maybe they're not, this is not the, the sort of thing that they're, that they're in, that, that, that's their oath. But maybe this over is like that's a little conversely on the other side 
of that of of this kind of subject matter. So, so that's what the game is. That's what the the strategy is behind the game. The game is getting them hooked. Just as you would be hooked if you were in the theater watching the story. All right? Because if it reaches that stage, like we said, if you're we're successful to get to that point, then you must be doing something right. <laughs> you know, we must be doing even even the even the 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 more lackluster stories still are stories. How did you figure out your voice? I yelped into the wind and um, no. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I, you know, when you asked me that question, immediately the first thing that popped into my mind, and it really has nothing to do with anything we're discussing, um, was. Um, the first um, few lines of James Joyce's portrait of the artist as a young man and what that story um, and that book means as a um, as a um, as a tale um, about this mo this modernist tale. Um, that is descriptive of how an artist reaches his voice. That is descriptive in, in the way that it tells how that artist reaches his voice. Because anybody familiar with portrait of an, of an artist knows that it is a, um, it starts with, um, these kind of weird little phonetics because he's like he's just a he's just a baby and he like he's like looking out on a pasture and he sees cows and he's like moo cow and stuff like that and it's and and then it slowly develops into what becomes a language that starts to become sophisticated which is uh, the um, the <coughs> is considered like what people said was brilliant about James Joyce, and it is brilliant. Um, um, also, they said that James Joyce, well, James Joyce apparently was um, very, he was very, very influenced. It was like he was the very first generation of, of, of um, novelists that were, were influenced by cinema. Cinema had influence on writing the novel as opposed to and that was early cinema, um, very early cinema. Yeah, because I just got lost in thinking about Portrait of the Artist. Well, it's okay. such a good book. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link down to it below. You know, okay. <laughs> um, it's, um, okay, so um, how I figured it out, um, I, I talked a little bit about that um, before, and that, that really was um, um, kind of discovering um, how to write in these terse sentences. Um, I already had a, um, a, a, a sense of how to write decent dialogue. Um, and um, I, was, I, I was just honing that along with um, creating these little terse um, um, bursts of, um, 
of description to create the scene structure. Um, that was working for me. Um, simultaneously, I learned how to outline. Um, now, outlining um, for me at that time was um, something I, I, I used a structure of 12 beats. Um, I think it's a, I think in the beginning, the way I, I, I worked it out, and also the way I was taught, because there was various areas that I, um, I, um, I picked up some of the, the skill set that I had. I'd read, um, of course, the art of dramatic um, screenwriting, I mean, dramatic writing. Um, I also um, was very fond of, um, of some of um, David Mamet's essays and books. Um, I, um, I, I took a couple courses here and there. And so I did, distilled it down to writing a premise or a log line um, for the for the um, the overall um, um, idea of what the story would be, and that that premise or log line has the um, uh, is is elastic in itself, meaning that it it can evolve, it can change over time. You can always return to it and augment it in some way as you are going through the writing process. And then for each of the 12 beats of my screenplay, um, so basically when I say 12 beats is if a screenplay is technically 120 pages, um, there's a beat for every 10 pages, all right? And then you're thinking of, of the story, and we're talking the story now, as an EKG. All right. So um, what I mean by an EKG, and you can also apply this to Christopher Vogler's um, ideas on the, um, the hero's journey as well. Um, the EKG is like you are, you are lifting off with your inciting incident. Um, the inciting incident um, technically should occur anywhere from like the five page to, to like well, in the old days, it was five pages to 30 page, but like it's, it's really just five pages now. You, you really don't go farther than that. And then, um, and then what you do is you, um, you plateau off as you get towards the, um, towards the middle of the EKG. So that's like um, page 60. And that means basically that your characters or your protagonist is um, on his way to, um, towards his journey. And so that's beat six. And then um, on on beat nine, um, you are um, you are um, you are coming all the way down on your EKG. Um, you're spiking downward because they are facing all of their adversity and all of their obstacles that they must overcome, that they may never they may never um, recover from. And then if they do recover and they do succeed and they win in the end then that EKG comes all the way back up at 12. If they, don't, if they don't win, then that EKG comes all the way up at 11 and then goes sharply down at 12. So <clears throat> that, is, um, that is basically um, the, that 12-point um, beat um, outline. Now, with the 12-point beat outline, each one of those beats, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 
um, has its own premise. So every 10 pages, or approximately 10 pages, because you don't have to adhere here um, um, strictly to 10 pages, because you know maybe you have a shorter script, um, um, has its own log line. So you go, this is you know, when such and such happens, such and such occurs. Cause and effect. It's a cause and effect statement. That is something that is that has a whole chapter in um, Lalo's Hegri's um, the um, um, the the art of, of dramatic writing is the cause and effect statement that goes all the way back that that can apply all the way back to the Greeks, and he takes it there. So <clears throat> so um, you 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 do that um, for each one of those beats. Um, and then from each one of those um, um, log lines, you use those as a basis to to work on to script those ten pages or roughly those ten pages. And then if you adhere to that, you'll 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 probably get yourself a um, a first draft. Um, it may not be much of a first draft, but it'll be something that you can you can rewrite and that you can work on. Now that was my process back in the early days, um, and that's how I I figured things out. Um, once once you're writing the second draft, once I was rewriting at that point, um, that's where I start to apply a little bit of those tricks, a little bit of the fun stuff. Um, that's that's a whole other bit of tools and things like that. Um, there's, there's, there's refining that goes in with that sort of thing. Um, you want to look at your script as what is necessary in the story um, and, um, what, and try to take out what is not necessary. Now, um, this is one thing that I do believe many storytellers um, fail to do. Um, and it doesn't make them bad storytellers. It's just their choice. But um, some, some, some storytellers just overload their scenes. And they just want to do so much inside of the scene. And it's not... That you don't need to do that to do a movie. Uh, to, to tell, to tell uh, um, a story um, for the service of a screenplay that is to be um, interpreted into a movie or a film does not require it to be a play. <laughs> you know, if you're going to make a play, you can make a play. You know, I write plays myself as well. I think that's fun, but it's not required. It's a it's it's something that you um you it's a it's a story that you tell in pictures. Um, if I want to strike another analogy, um, that analogy for me is that um, at a certain point, for me, and this goes towards the root of the question, is that when you get you 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 figure out. Your, your voice. It becomes a lot like playing music. And it's like you're not reading music anymore. 
Um, you, you, while you play it, you're just kind of improvising a little bit and you're, you're just kind of like going with the feel, you know, while you're, you know, you're jamming or whatever. And, um, the classic example, um, for me, um, is, um, Thelonious Monk because the thing about Thelonious Monk that I loved that reminds me of screenwriting is that he has this synco syncopation. It's not Ray Charles too. It's very. It's also a great one. Um, he has a syncopation that it's not the. It's not what he's playing. It's not the chord that he's hitting. You know. It's what's between it. It's the stop. It's in between it. That 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 is where you feel the story he's telling in the music. And then the same thing, I believe, applies towards, towards a good screenplay, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's within the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, the that. other thing I, I like to talk about is telling the story in the cut. Telling the story in the cut is, is simple. Um, it's, it's a little simpler than then I think a lot of people make it. And um, I, um, people um, tell writers and they tell filmmakers and they tell directors, you know, um, you know, show not tell, show not tell, show not tell, show not tell. And that can be kind of really confusing because it's like you listen to those words and you're like, okay, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know, what does that mean really? Show not tell. Okay, um, how do you show a screenplay? I don't understand what that means. You know, it's like, it's like, and so like when you're, you're a writer and you're like, you're hitting yourself with those words, like, oh, I don't get it. Uh, uh, I'm telling intrinsically by writing it. Uh, you know, <laughs> and so it can be really confusing. But see, what it actually means is tell your story in the cut. Because, you know, that is where the story actually lives. It lives in between the juxtaposition of two scenes. It, um, it, it, it lives in the transition of those two scenes. So the period between those two scenes is where all the information of your story is uploaded. So all the exposition that you need to make in your story can be implied. It can be all implied. You don't actually have to say the exposition like, like I would say like what? 70% of your, your exposition does not have to go into your script. It can be all in, the, in your cut because all you have to do is like, is, is set up a, um, um, a visual cue with an action and then cut to the end result of that action, to the aftermath. And just by doing that, just by putting one picture here, all right, and then putting the end result of that picture right over here, you've downloaded your, or you've uploaded your exposition. Done. <laughs> you know? So like, the example I use is like is is the um, is the girl like you know at the 
at the bar, um, at the at the hotel bar, and the bartender comes up to her and gives her a drink and then signals towards a man at the end of the bar <laughs> who waves at her because he sends her to drink. Uh-huh. And then cut to later, they're in the in the in a hotel hallway, stumbling into her hotel suite, <laughs> kissing, and we know what happens. <laughs> you know, we don't need to know what they discussed at the bar. We don't need to know what their conversation was. We don't know, need to know all the details in between. We, we get it. We get it. And it's, it's a really, really simple technique. It, it, and, not, and, 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 and there are a lot of filmmakers um, and writers that don't avail themselves of it. Um, and there are a lot of writers that do. Um, number one on the list is Kenneth Lonergan, who is a brilliant writer, and um, he knows exactly how to do that. Um, and um, yeah, William Goldman also knew exactly how to do that. So, but but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a simple thing, you know. Uh, um, more people need to do it. That's all. <laughs> How did you get better at telling your stories within the cut? Sometimes it was hard one um, because um, I had this tendency, I think like a lot of new writers do, to um, want to fall in love with their language and to hold like some kind of like chunky like diner scene with like you know, some interesting characters talking and like throwing some colorful banter back and forth and like, ooh, how interesting this is. And <laughs> when, when, when I started to realize that it was unnecessary and that not only was it unnecessary, that it was, it was, um, it was shooting myself in the foot as far as, it, uh, as, far as um, grabbing the, intent, the attention of readers. Um, it's not to say that those characters may not have been doing or saying anything that was, um, interesting or fun or anything. It was dropping the ball, you know, in the ball game, as far as like making, making my work stand out for others. Because essentially what I learned is that in the, the, in the long and short of it, um, readers aren't interested in um, your scene. They don't care about your scene. They care about the story you're telling them. That's what they care about. <laughs> they don't care about your scene. They care about the story you're telling them. So if they fall in love with your story, they'll, they'll, they'll fall in love with your script. They're not going to fall in love with your scene, <laughs> you know. They're, they're they're not in it to fall in love with your scene, you know. So yeah. <laughs> Although there is something very charming about those diner conversations. I can't. I know. I I enjoy seeing them, you know. And then you've got Marge, the waitress. And, All right, what'll it be? And then you know, then they she leaves, and then they're trying to like talk, you know, so that well, she doesn't. Well, hear them. It, that that's a whole other. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other discussion. It depends on where it is, and, and it depends on how you do that sort of thing. Um, um, 
is is one thing. And you know, like for example, my my favorite my one of my favorite diner conversations, of course, is because it's charged. You charge a scene. You charge a scene by telling it um, um, by telling your story in the in, in cuts. All right, by by loading um, your story like that. Um, heat. Yes. Excellent. You 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 charge. Everything is very very um, sparse and very. Um, um, it, it, there's not much going on in heat other than the the action, um, the reactions, um, the, the the setups for the heist. It's it, it's very lean um, heat, and then it gets to that diner scene between Pacino and um, and De Niro, and it means everything. That conversation, that conversation means everything. And that's how you load those scenes by by you know telling your story, and then you come to a scene where there is you know more or less you know a standoff. If it's not a metaphorical standoff, um, it's not emotional standoff. Um, that's how you tell stories in general. You know, um, you can't have that standoff in every scene of your script. Otherwise, you're confused about what you're doing. Sure, and in keeping it lighter, the 80s, 90s sing-along scene, which I don't know why they used for so long, Mm -hmm. where something's on the radio, somebody turns on a stereo, and now the whole group's singing together. Mm-hmm. That seems to be lost, and I'm happy that that's the case. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't mind no? stuff like you that. Don't, okay. I don't, I don't mind anything that's experimental, like that, as long as everything else is tight. You know, um, you can do anything experimental, but if everything else is tight, it, it, it'll, it will, um, it will like rise to the top. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm a, I'm a personally, you know, I mean, it's, it's not my favorite film. Okay. But I am a sucker for that hollow note scene in 500 days. So (laughs) I am a sucker for that scene (laughs) because I've been that guy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've walked out of that. Swinging like that. <laughs> okay. So I've been that guy. So I'm a sucker for you know. So I mean, like, so if you do it right, you know, you, it, it 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 flies. It flies. Big Bear Mountain, a weightlifting competition, a stockbroker, six sisters, a plane crash, three pennies, gambling addiction, Friday at midnight, benefits of hard work. A man on the run, and lastly, this piece of dialogue. She ain't got time for that. Again, you don't have to use all 11. Okay. You know, I've actually seen some, um, some movies about these things. Um, 
<laughs> okay. All right. Um, let's see. Um, well, you know, um, a, a lot of these are really classic, um, and I mean, I'm almost inclined to like string many of them together into like like to string some of them actually into like one. <clears throat> um, but I don't think I'll do that. Um, so, like, if I were to like take something like uh, like gambling addiction, um, I. Don't really think that that is a a cause or an effect, um, so to speak. So you'd have to kind of develop a cause and effect around it. So so um, you'd have like something like um, a uh, a police officer. with a gambling addiction. Um, must um, Must um, resolve his debt to a notorious gangster. Mm. Okay. by murdering his partner. Mm. The officer's partner or the gangster's partner? No, his, uh, um, the, um, the cop's partner. Oh, wow, okay. So what that, <coughs> what that, that, that creates is um, a cause and effect. Um, it, it's, 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 it's not the cause is resolving his debt. You know, it's not it, it it's not the gambling addiction. The gambling addiction is his um, I forget what it's there's actually a name for it. I wanna say misbehavior, but I don't think that's the correct one. Um but um it and it, 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 it does not it, 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 it may predicate um the cause, but it's not a part of the cause. Um the effect is that he has to he has to um, to kill his partner, which is kind of effed up. <laughs> yeah. So 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 yeah, that's how that one would work. Um, a man on the run. There's so many men on the run movies. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like things that always happens. You know, it's like the big cliche. Um, 
Uh, oh, a man on the run um, after run after a bank heist. Um, after a bank heist, hmm. and this is not the officer. No, no, this, this is, is different. Okay. different. Okay. Um, Bank heist. Oh, this, I'm stuck here. After bank heist, I want to say, but I don't think it's going to work. Um, must reconcile. This is dopey. Um, with his daughter. Who ultimately turns him in? Mm. Okay. Um, it's getting interesting. Yeah. Let's see. Um, let's take another one. Three lucky pennies. No, or three pennies. Retrieved from the bottom of a fountain. <laughs> bottom of a fountain. Bestow three wishes. that reverse into curses. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. A weightlifting Competition turns a 
turns into to Weightlifting competition. There's something, there's another element that needs to be in there because there's no real cause established. A, a weightlifting competition. Um, a weightlifting competition. Oh, that's because it needs... A bodybuilder entering a weightlifting competition. Competition. meets his lifelong idol and and has conflicted the long premise uh, feelings competing against him after learning after learning so the drama, of course, he's fighting cancer. What you want to do is you want to learn to make that shorter for your kids out there. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, Friday at midnight, a young, uh, what's he do? Um, a young high school dropout um, in the nineteen fifties. discovers his his um, his purpose Fridays at midnight 
drag racing. At the <coughs> local street, oh no, dragging, drag racing on the off streets. of this small town. There we go. Yeah, let's see. Um, what else we got here? Let's tackle, she ain't got time for that because that one's just weird. <laughs> that one's just odd. <laughs> She ain't got time for that. <laughs> A A TV comedian. is haunted by the role she played on screen. and is, becomes violently ill every time a fan utters her famous catchphrase. <laughs> catchphrase. This is, I'm, actually, I'm going to write this one. <laughs> she ain't got time for You don't even know, <laughs> you know, this is, this is like, this got Netflix all over it. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, HBO Max and Netflix, they're going to be battling it out over, she ain't got time for that. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Um, let's see what else is here. A stockbroker. Trading and high finance 
on Wall Street. Starts. Selling shares. Man. Let's just go from really fantastical. Starts showing shares in the afterlife. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, Six sisters. Six sisters. Spurlunking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what does that mean? Oh, it's like it's cave diving. Oh, okay. okay. Oh. Whew. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure where this was going. Okay. <laughs> Nether regions. Oh, right, right. We want to keep it Disney, a Disney movie. So, okay. Six Sisters Spelunking. Okay. Um, um, get trapped in. And losing oxygen. Must soon come to the decision of who lives or dies before someone rescues them? Someone rescues, rescues them. How many do you have left of our 11? One, two, three. Wow, I did all of them. <laughs> Great. Okay. Can you combine the remaining three into one log line? Um, yeah, I'll try. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, you know, this is pretty set up for me right there, to be honest. Um, 
This one, it does have a cause. Um, in, in Big Bear Mountain, The survivors of a plane crash, pretty, it's writing itself. <laughs> must Save the injured through, I'll just make it simple, through the benefits of hard work and cooperation. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so which of, which log line is your favorite that you've created? Oh. That's and why? easy. <laughs> that one's easy. Um, it's a TV comedian is haunted by. Okay. <laughs> a TV comedian is haunted by the role she played on screen and becomes violently ill every time a fan utters her famous catchphrase, she ain't got time for that. That's a winner. And why, do you, why does that resonate so much for you? Well, it's not so much that it resonates. Um, it's, it's, it, that, that's not at all why it resonates. Um, the nature of a log line is, is, is a couple of things. And these, uh, many of these, if not all of these, and I was having fun, um, um, violate, um, pretty much the strict rules of a log line. And, and one of those is that, is brevity. Uh, a log line should be concise. That one's not so concise, but it does the other thing a log line should do. It grabs your attention. So, the, uh, so technically, uh, a log line is, is something that if you're over conversation, over dinner, um, you can say casually to your dinner guest uh, or to whoever it is, or even if you're just you're pitching it, um, over dinner, um, and you can just let it roll off your tongue, and it have a sort of ring to it, you know, and a ring and a verisimilitude, you know, then, then usually, um, or hopefully, 
um, someone responds to it like, oh, well, that's nice. Well, that's interesting. I'd like to see that, you know. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that sort of makes you go, I want to know more. And that's really the, the objective. That's the purpose of a logline. Um, because it, I mean, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back that up too. The logline also helps you design your screenplay. That is one that's an, that's another purpose you can use it for. But at the end of the day, when you're done with your screenplay and you've re, you've refined your logline and you make it concise, you need to be able to give it to the world and use it as a hook. So a lot of the loglines that you came up with, you said they were too long, especially the one that you really loved, that it, mm -hmm. it's got to be shorter. So if we were going to take, let's say, the logline for Fargo, I know you said you like the Coen Brothers work yeah, uh, or a serious man or something like what what, what how would we shorten that down because because that would be hard a serious man that would be kind of difficult to, to, sh to have a shorter long line with that I don't know there I mean if you look up if, if you 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 know there's there there are smarter men than me that have um, defined the log lines for for those films and you can look them up you can google them um, and they they're very brief. Actually, I've read one for a serious man, and Ooh. it's uh, it's 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 it, it it is kind of brief. If you want to borrow the allegory from something else to describe, like movies like that, it's usually you know it's not, you don't have to reach too far, um, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> like um, you know um, a. You know, a what is it? A serious man's like a cancer diagnosis leads to a journey of discovery for um, um, a, a man that often considered himself invisible, and now um, comes to comes to a sense of um, rebirth. You know, I mean that that's <clears throat> that, that, that it, it it's pretty simple. You know, and and what it is is like, and if any writer or writer who's a reader, I would say is like when they see a movie like A Serious Man or they um, are familiar with the script A Serious Man, they'll go, well, this is just um, The Odyssey by Homer. <laughs> you know, it's pretty, it's the same thing. You know, and believe me, the Combe brothers knew it was The Odyssey by Homer as they were writing it. Um, it's, um, it's kind of a blatant. <laughs> Who was Psy in the Odyssey? <laughs> I don't know, but I think maybe the the I would say he was the Cyclops. Um, the, 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 he, they they've 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 returned to the Odyssey um, again and again. The they actually did an explicit interpretation of the Odyssey with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, a brother where art thou is the Odyssey beat by beat. Um, um, remember um, um, John Goodman um, at, at the tree with the patch on his eye? He is the Cyclops. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, yeah. And so with this, what would be the title for this uh, comedian? who's really just repulsed by this famous role that she's known for and all the fans want to repeat it to her. What would you call it? 
Oh, I, the, well, it's in the it's in the log line. It's the it's the catchphrase. She ain't got time for that. Okay. And why why does that make her ill? Why why does she not like that role? Well, it makes her violently ill, um, um, like physically, in 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 the way I would foresee it. So, like, um, she would have actual uh, physical reaction. She would convulse. She would she would she and and it would become progressively worse and and manifest itself in probably some very um, gruesome, strange way. Um, and, and I take it to its to an it's inexorable extreme. So uh, it, have fun with it. It's a it's a very humorous um, um, premise, and um, I I I enjoy that. I, I I rarely actually write things like that, but I also but I do find those kind of things entertaining. And you know what I end up doing is usually this is like. Um, I um, I take things like that and I I make them quite serious along the way, you know. That's why I like the Coen Brothers because you know they 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 they're 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 satirists in a serious way quite often. Do you feel movies today are less entertaining than they used to be? Yes, that's absolutely. Um, uh reason why is because I think we're in a fallow period um, for movie making and I think uh, people are afraid of taking risks and I think um, that um, a lot of movies are cookie cutter and because of the way that the business is structured right now um, it's a, it's it's not allowing for um, a lot of new talent to emerge and, and receive the kind of attention that it should. Um, I think that um, there's periods where the pendulum swings on that um, and that the opposite is the case. But right now we're in one of those fallow periods and hopefully it will swing in the other direction. Um, in, the, in the 90s we had a very Great night, amazing era. Uh, I think it lasted a little bit into the aughts, but after that, it just you know went back to 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 um, to you know mostly studio fare. I have nothing against studio films, by the way. I think they're fine um, and they're fun, but you need to have other stuff too, um, and um, we don't have enough of the other stuff. Seventies, um, we had a lot of that other stuff. And, uh, and now it's just another one of those periods where we just don't have a lot of that other stuff. Why do you think that is? Well, it's, um, it's just kind of the way um, the, the business has is, is, is been structured. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's kind of like we had a new influx of, um, of, of people um, into the system um, in the 90s from you know new kinds of producers new kinds of um, executives uh, that there's that there is a, a legitimacy that um, that independent filmmaking received in which it was actually um, actually was um, if not prestige it 
it, it was given consideration as far as being um, having money making possibilities. And um, some of those films did make money. Um, but, um, but now um, the party is over. Um, the, 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 the movies that they, that they acquire at places like Cannes and Sundance are already set up. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't, you don't get in there on a lark like you used to. You're not, you're not, you can't be a Wes Anderson. You can't be a, a Kevin Smith out of the blue. You can't be, you know, you, you're, you know, you're already, you're already, um, you're already fully funded and backed by um, some kind of um, um, corporate arm um, that um, allows you those kind of opportunities. And um, that's just the case. There's, once again, I have no judgment over those things. It's just, just the way it is. Um, I'm hoping that because of the streaming territory that we're in now, that sort of allows a little more wriggle room for that for that to see the light of day in which there can be new kind of new kind of talent um, um, taking advantage of those sources but uh, I don't see where the evidence is of it yet you know um, hopefully there will be. <laughs> Do you think filmmakers are forcing a message in today's films? Um, I don't think that, um, I don't think that there's, okay, um, that's a complicated question. Um, and I'm going to like answer it like this. Um, I enjoy watching uh, Martin Scorsese movies um, and I really enjoyed watching The Irishman because I thought it was a great, um, great historical um, um, roadmap, and um, it had a, a, a greater message about the the, the American story. And um, I am so glad that that someone like that, even though he has to fight for it. And given his status as a filmmaker, that someone like that has the luxury to to um, to have that kind of message that he can put forth in the in his films. Um, but not everybody has that luxury, and uh, not everybody has that kind of opportunity, and certainly um, the 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 new Martin Scorsese's, the young Martin Scorsese's, the female Martin Scorsese's, the black Martin Scorsese's, the Asian Martin Scorsese's aren't getting that opportunity. And because um, they all have statements that they want to make about America. <laughs> and, um, and those aren't, those aren't sellable. And, and, and today's market, you know, um, those aren't um, those aren't things that people want to um, to necessarily um, finance. And um, it is what it is. Now, I'm not saying that you know finances are bad or 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 um, 
or studios or bed and they're, they're, they're the boogeyman or anything like that. I think that's really a, a, a horrible attitude to possess. Um, um, I think um, there's a lot of filmmakers that are proponents of a sort of victim-like stance. But that does not negate the fact that the current era we're in is not looking for a new voice vigorously. So the Martin Scorsese that was able to tell the Irishman, how different was that person that told the story of Taxi Driver? I, I really don't think um, 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 much of a difference. I mean, I think it's the same spirit. You know, I think he's a he's a he's an incredible filmmaker, and he's 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 evolved. Oh yes, yes, but uh, I, I don't think he is much different. But he was he he was able to solidify reputation, um, and I believe it was 1978 um, that um, that taxi driver came. Or was it 76, 76 or 78? I think it was 76. It seems like it was earlier. Yeah, something like 76. <clears throat> but, I'm not um, sure though. But yeah, um, and so um, it was. He was able to settle a reputation then, um, and he could he could go on, and 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 continue to make personal um, movies like that. I mean, the same thing can can be said for a lot of people in that echelon. You know, uh, the same thing can be said for for Spike Lee. You know, um, but even so, you know, Spike Lee has to fight to get financing because he's making movies that are about messages. He's got, he's trying to tell, a, he's got a message behind his story, you know. Um, I remember years ago when he was still alive, um, I was, I, I was um, watching a panel on, um, on Robert Altman and and he said Robert Altman said you know it's like someone asked him like in the panel like how do you, how do you get financing for your film and he's like I don't know I I find it just I, I find it just as hard to get financing as I think any young filmmaker would this was like um, around two thousand he said this and I and I tended to believe him. You know, um, you know, you, you you're 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 an older man, you know, who's trying to go out there and get financing to make a movie that says something, and people aren't looking to 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 do that. And today, you know, you we know what kind of movies get made. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, they're not they don't want it. <clears throat> you know, and it's understandable. It's a it's a business, they, you know. It's a it's 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 a business. They're looking for a return, and, and that's the other thing that I think that um, writers should be very aware of, that what they are in is a business. Now you can consider yourself an artist, and that's absolutely fine. I'm in fact I'm a proponent for that. I consider myself an artist. Be an artist, you know, if that's what you want to be. Be an artist, but don't get mad if you realize you're in a business <laughs> because that's what it is. 
You know, it's they're, they're out there to make money. They're not out there to make art. You're out there to make art. They're out there to make money. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Do you feel like that's the real um, test of how long you want to stay in this business or attempt to stay in it? Is to realize that. Well, I mean, I think you're, you, you know, you realize what you do uh, as a writer. You know, you, um, you understand where your lane is, so to speak. And that's not to say that you limit yourself to, um, to a track. It's to say that you are content um, and you, you, you're nourishing um, your creativity in, in wherever it is that you track. Um, for like example, for myself, um, I write, I write screenplays and I also write plays, you know, and I enjoy writing plays a great deal. I enjoy this theater. I enjoy that experience. You know, I enjoy working with actors in the terms of stage. Um, but, and, 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 and working and, and staging the work and, 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 and seeing it come alive in a room full of people where it's not um, projected on a screen. It's a whole other experience. But, you know, this is the thing, you know, this is all under the ove of, oh, this is what I do as a writer. It's not under the ove of what I do as a screenwriter. Um, so I... At any one point or time, you know, I can take my frustrations to writing a play and go down the street, get some friends together, go into a theater and say, hey, let's hear this. Let's hear this out loud, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, that's that's my feeling on it. And, 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 and there's plenty of other writers that 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 do the same thing. You know, we've got we've got. Um, um, writers that that cross both fields: Aaron Sorkin, Tracy Letts, David Mamet, Susie Laurie Parks. These are all um, 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 playwrights and screenwriters. Um, ask them what they do. Aaron Sorkin's never going to say, "Oh, I'm a screenwriter." <laughs> Aaron Sorkin's going to go, "I'm a writer. <laughs> I write. That's what I do." <laughs> you know. Uh, same can be said for for other people that cross um, 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 very you know the other mediums of writing. Stephen King, Stephen King's not going to say, "Yeah, I'm a screenwriter." <laughs> Stephen King's like, "I'm a writer." <laughs> Stephen King's bigger <laughs> than than any one movie. So yeah. So, yeah. For a writer who's never submitted to the blacklist, how does that work? The blacklist. Um, I think it's important to to point out is um, you um, you upload a screenplay um, to their website, um, and um, the website more or less is a collection of screenplays that are written by anybody. Um, anybody can upload a, a screenplay um, or a, a TV pilot um, to the blacklist. It doesn't doesn't matter who you are or where you are in the world, you can go ahead and do so. And um, those scripts are evaluated. Now, the, the one thing is, though, um, you're going to be paying a monthly fee, and that is, um, I think the monthly fee is $30 um, for, for that script to be hosted 
on the site. And for each evaluation, you must pay um, a $75 fee. Now, if you have the money to do that, which for some, that can be a little tight to afford. But if you have the money to do that, it's very much worth the while. Because the blacklist is probably the main, um, it's the central access that you will have to the, the, the film industry um, these days. Specifically, if you're not in Hollywood, and you don't have an agent or some kind of representation that can submit your work and get you meetings. If you don't have access to um, a, um, a representation, um, an agent um, or a manager that can submit your scripts um, or um, get you meetings. So it's worthwhile to, to post your script on the blacklist. The other thing that's really wonderful about the blacklist is that the readers um, there provide coverage for your scripts. Um, now, this coverage is, is good in and of itself, and in, uh, of, 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 of its own to, to promote um, the, what, what a concise understanding is of your story um, on, your, on your blacklist page. But it also is a great tool for you to know where the flaws are in your script. So you can, um, you can use it as a balance sheet as to where you need to um, fix areas that um, may not be communicating well. Um, if, you, if you are a new writer and you, are, you're, you have trouble taking criti uh, um, critique <laughs> or receiving critique, it's a great, it's a great um, 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 baptism by fire. This is the, the, the other thing um, in regards to the blacklist that is, is um, invaluable. Um, as you develop your skills as a writer, you have for you right there at your disposal a barometer through which you can um, you can um, you can understand how how strong your work is. So if you are getting recognition on the blacklist, and and certainly if you're getting recognition regularly on the blacklist, um, you you know that you're ready to um, to go out into um, into the field or to march out into the field, so to speak. So if you are trepidatious about a screenplay that, um, that you are going to submit to an agent or a producer, if you um, are um, a little um, unsure uh, or uncertain um, about something that um, you wanna pass on um, for consideration to, to anybody, um, Try and see if uh, you can pass mustard on the blacklist. Um, see if um, that script um, um, can get get you a, a score of an eight or above. If you are getting an eight or above score on the blacklist, then I think you can be entirely confident that you um, that your script has has legs at that point. Um, so I think that that's um, 
that that's what also makes it a wonderful tool. Um, it's 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 a very good site um, because what it does is it um, it bridges the gap um, between the industry and um, and pretty much anybody um, anywhere. Um, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't exclude um, you out of the process, whoever you are and wherever you are. Um, before um, the blacklist existed, um, we had this um, this arcane version of that, and that simply meant that um, you had to be um, somewhat in the know um, or working um, at some in some strata of the industry to be able to um, um, get your scripts read by a reader um, at a production company or an agency or what have you. Um, instead, now you can just go online, um, pay the fees, and uh, have a reader um, um, produce coverage for you that way. Um, um, in, in the old days, in fact, <clears throat> um, you know, they, they Sometimes if you were submitting your script to a producer, they'd ask to see your coverage instead of um, your script itself so that they could get an overview of your script. And you go, oh, well, I have some coverage here. Let me, let me send that on, uh, on to you and you can have a look. Um, here on, on the blacklist, they can simply go onto the blacklist, read your coverage, and then download your script. So it's great. And, 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 and Franklin Leonard is a, he's a really, um, really, really, really fascinating, um, inspiring character um, with what he's done here with his, um, with his website um, and also his, um, his, um, his advocacy and support of people in all areas of the writing field and his, um, his strong stance on inclusion. So, so uh, I'm, I, I can't say anything but good things about him and, his, and what he's done for, for the community. Well, what kind of feedback have you gotten on some of your work that's made it onto the blacklist? Well, uh, I've, 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 I've been lucky enough to score high um, um, a couple times, yeah. Um, that's, I've, I've had some good feedback. Um, I think, I think that, um, as a writer, you you it's incumbent upon you to run that gauntlet that you need to you need to go on there and um, score high on the blacklist. You I mean this is this is where this is where my 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 pride will come out or let's say my ego as a writer um, where is like I need to knock I need to I need to see this 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 script this story whatever knock it out the park somewhere so it's it's got to knock it out the park on the blacklist it's got to knock it out the park on on the on a on a, a spot on the Nichols fellowship it's got to knock it out the park on on say Austin I've never placed on Austin but I'm just going to say that it's got to knock it out somewhere um, once it's done that then I'm like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure it's a good script, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I'm pretty sure it um, it will impress somebody somewhere. 
So um, these are our tools today that we have um, uh, at our disposal, at our fingertips, literally in front of us on our screens, that we can use as barometers for how good our work is. Um, so, you know, they should be used, you know, you should use them um, and not be, not be afraid, you know, um, it's, um, I know it, it can be really daunting to, to receive criticism and to um, allow others to look at your work. But this is the thing, um, is that, first of all, you learn not to take um, criticism personally, um, that it doesn't mean that you should necessarily change anything that you're doing. It, it only offers you one thing. It's perspective. That's it. Criticism gives you perspective. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that I can judge the distance between what I'm going for and what lands. That's what that means. So, if I'm if I'm hitting with something that where I, I was going for a target and I know it's hitting and I'm getting that feedback from somewhere else, an objective source, I'm getting that feedback, then I know I'm onto something. You know, um, that, that's perspective. Um, if you, if you're getting something that's a little off to the side, if someone's going, I'm, I'm seeing this as something else, if someone's misunderstanding it entirely, then you, you might want to step back and adjust. You might want to go, oh, okay, wait, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change how this, um, you know, how the second act sort of, um, um, moves right here, or I'm going to adjust, you know, this aspect about the beast story, or I'm going to um, um, give this character a, um, you know, a, a long lost sister. You know, it, it, it's, it, all these things can mean the difference between a good script and a great script. Perspective will give you that. Perspective will imbue you with that. And when you have that experience, you never, you never take criticism personally. In fact, you invite it and you want to know and you're curious about people's criticism. Even if, they, if, if they're not, even if they're, they're, they are to a certain degree mis, misguided criticism. Even misguided criticism can enlighten you as a writer and make you a better writer. Say I'm a screenwriter and I upload my script to the blacklist mm. and I pay my $75. Am I just getting a one-time feedback, some notes, or is that script now accessible to anybody? Yes, um, that is the case. Um, anybody can um, read the script on the blacklist. Um, 
What's cool about that is that um, the the designated readers that you um, that you uh, pay for or hire to read your scripts um, will will provide you with feedback, but also the people that um, or the industry folks that um, go on there and may stumble across your script or see your log line and just appreciate your log line also have the option to um, to download your script. Um, and they also have the option to offer you coverage. So um, that's a cool thing. I think it's rare that that ever happens because I've never received coverage from someone that have just has just been perusing my script or just downloading it um, um, off of the off of the blacklist. Now, more than likely, what does happen though is that you 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 get a high score on the blacklist, and that's when you actually get attention from um, from from industry readers, um, and they'll and they'll download your script. Um, uh, in numbers, but um, but and that's what you want. That's what you want to try and do. Um, you want to, you know, it, it it can. You know, let me tell you, it can be expensive. Um, if you're paying seventy five dollars a pop as you re- revise your script to try and make it better and better, so you get some kind of attention. You know, that can add up after some time. But if you do, um, 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 you score high, um, you know, that can be offset by the fact that you're going to have, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of people downloading your script. Because I just said, did you get any feedback? And you said you, you scored high. Um, I don't know if we went into if there was any negative feedback and maybe we don't want to go there or. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's negative feedback, but, but, that's, but, that's, but that's a part of what, what screenwriting is, you know? You need to get negative feedback at some point. You know, you're not, if, if you, someone is not going to like something that you've written somewhere, you know, for some reason. The, what you need to know is why. <laughs> that's 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 it. You know, you need to know is why. There, there you, uh, um, there's a there's a meme that's circulating right now that um, by um, by um, um, that that features um, Jordan Peele, and Jordan Peele says, you know, um, you know how you handle criticism. This is how you handle criticism. Uh, when I have a screenplay and I send it out there and someone says, you know, there is a scene in there, it's just way too violent. You know, I just, it, it took me out of the screenplay. You know, I, I think you should do something about that. He's like, I don't go home and take that scene out of the screenplay, no. What I do is I go back and I work on that screenplay and find the thread that substantiates that violence. And I, and I make that, I, I, I express that in a more um, succinct and better way. That's, that, 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 that's, that, you know, that's what he says, and I'm paraphrasing, but, but that's basically 
what he is um, is expressing. And um, you know, that's my same, I have my exact same attitude. You know, negative negative feedback sometimes is your best feedback. <laughs> sometimes it gives you the best. You get breakthroughs. You know, from negative feedback. Yes, absolutely. So I have a little bit of a, a writing challenge we can try, and I'm hoping you can um, help me to make this small bit of information better. I'm going to read it to you. So my story is about a young writer trying to break through, whatever breakthrough means. Um, we'll call him Joe. And he's a good guy from a small town. His parents were hippie artists, not a lot of money, but they supported his move to Los Angeles. And so while writing during the day and very tired at night from these humbling like grunt jobs, um, Joe meets someone who decides to take him under his wing. And it's a producer who says, you know what, I like your work, it needs some polish, but I'm going to help you. And so the young writer, uh, Joe, is just like, wow, this is my dream come true. I call my parents and they say, we're so proud of you. We always knew you'd succeed. And then after about a year, reality sets in for Joe. And Joe starts to see that he's being used and sometimes abused. And this producer not only steals Joe's ideas, but he has Joe do a lot of his personal dirty work, like uh, go spy on his tenants, go spy on his wife, um, and also pick up his dry cleaning. Um, and then he, he has him write uh, scathing reviews on a former nemesis, and he takes those reviews and he uses them as an, his own, because he used to be in a literary world. So he has Joe you know, review some of this other person's work and then writes these, these reviews and then he publishes them as his own. So how could we clean this up? This is about like a story of a young writer who's, who's really hungry to be in the business, but he starts to see, wait a minute, I'm in a bad element right here. I'm in a bad way. For those of you who have worked in the agency world, this is the story of an assistant. <laughs> Okay. Is that the log line? That's the log line. No, it is. That's oh, what it is. Okay. It's the story of an assistant. And it's the tame version. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay. So mine's for all audiences. Okay, great. No, it's true, actually. Um, um, you know, actually, some, you know, you know, some insistence would be like, oh, no, it's, it's much worse than that. Um, but, um, yeah, no, so what's the why, what's the purpose of this? The purpose is to show a good guy with a good heart whose parents believed in him comes here and finds that his goodness is taken advantage of. Okay, and, and, and my reflection on this is? How can I clean it up to tell the story better? Because it's not oh. just the idea, but it's, it's well. how I'm telling it. Well, it's it, first of all, you have to shorten the, shorten how you say it. Um, you have to you have to turn it into a a concise bit of wording. Um, it has to become a logline or a premise. It has to be um, something that you can issue briefly um, that um, has a bit of a snap to it, a bit of a, a hook, uh, something that pulls you in. So um, that is number one.
And so not to say that it doesn't have it, but you have to you have to find it in there. You know, a story is um, is sometimes like um, like a block of marble, and 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 you're the sculptor, and you have to you have to find the form in the marble. What you have right now is marble, and you need to find the form. Um, um, Michelangelo used to say, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Italy, but it's one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen is the David. Um, but um, Michelangelo used to say that he would look at the, um, the block of marble and that he could see inside of it the form. And, and it's proven that he, he did because um, at the Academia where the... Um, where the um, the David sits, it's flanked on both sides by um, by his sculptures known as the slaves, and the slaves were unfinished because um, I think they're, they're, he, it was towards the towards the end of his life. So um, Michelangelo basically um, chiseled straight into the marble towards the form. He didn't like like other other sculptors whittle all the way around the marble form to get to the form. He went right to it. So there'd be an arm sticking out of the block. There'd be a leg partially in the block, and the rest would be all just raw marble. So that's what you got there is a bunch of raw marble, um, and um, you have to get to um, the form that's inside. And the form would be your, the germ, the absolute germ of your story, the, uh, um, the log line. Okay, so maybe the log line, it's, it's too long, but it could be a premise. You know, it, it could be, um, so the log line would just be one sentence, correct? Yeah, technically mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's one sentence. Sure. Or so. It, one or two sentences. Okay, so then Joe, young writer, finds out that goodness isn't always rewarded in entertainment. That's a little broad. Um, it, it's, 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 um, um, Joe, um, um, a young writer uh, is enthralled by a mentor in the Hollywood industry. Um, and moves to Los Angeles to find um, success and instead becomes um, an, a, a, enslaved um, to a powerful man. That's more along the lines of, of, of what you're looking for. I, I, I tweak it a little bit more, make it a little little better around there. But yeah, that's what you'd be looking for. Okay. And, and, and Joe, who would he have as sort of his supporting character? So we have this producer who's like the nemesis in some ways. And then would he have a roommate? How can we make Joe, his dialogue with someone to actually tell them about what's happening? Who would Joe be bouncing ideas off of in this story? I don't know. 
you, you were telling me the story, so who do you think Joe would be bouncing the ideas off of? It sounds like you think there would be a roommate. Or, well, or there well, could be a coffee girl, oh sorry. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, there could be a coffee girl. Um, uh, you know, uh, Joe could, could be going through a lot of things. I mean, the question is, who is Joe? Uh, who is Joe? You know, why is Joe? You know, mm, I like you that. know, um, what, what is, what, what, what really motivates Joe? You know, that all tells you a lot of things as well. You know, it, um, you know that you don't, you don't need to have um, attendant cliches um, to to make any kind of story. Um, in fact, avoiding them um, informs who the, informs a very sort of often uh, often a unique way of subverting them. Um, avoiding them um, allows you to go down an idiosyncratic road where you start to come up with some really original stuff. You know, um, so you. You know, sometimes you want to get around that. It's like, what if, what, 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 why is it, why is it a coffee girl? You know, what if he's gay? That's true. Coffee boy. You know, what if it's a, yeah, yeah. what if it's a coffee, a coffee boy? Um, uh, you know, um, you know, roommate, roommate. Well, why is he? What if he lives? You know, what if he lives with the with the with the producer? What if he you know lives in the producer's um. Garage, he makes him live in the garage, you know. Um, what if he sleeps in his car? What if he sleeps in his car? Now, now something's visually. Now I'm starting to think. What if he sleeps in his car? You know, um, lots of lots of young people come out to places, and you know they're 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 poor, and they yeah. you know, and and they have to they have to sleep in their car. That's something I read about. That's something I hear about on NPR. You know, um, or a crummy weekly hotel. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. There's there, there's all these other things, you, roads you can go down to to avoid those tropes. Um, and 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 it's good that you do because you're going to get a more original piece of work out of it. Okay, so I see. Yeah, so the cliche young writer with the the um, proud parents back home that maybe that that's that's boring. Okay, so then what if we talked about what if the dad had a gambling addiction and he gambled away his college tuition and so he wasn't able to get a creative writing degree, so he comes here to L.A. and it's not a coffee girl. What if it's someone who does drag at night at a club okay and basically tells them the real deal and has no will just tell them how it is and he he trusts that person because they don't want anything from him okay so then um and he basically said you know the the let's say the drag is terry by night and then terrence by day and then so 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 make it interesting like just not the That's beginning to be something <laughs> I want to see or read. Okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. You're, you're doing it. You're you're doing it right now. You're going down those off roads, 
And it's starting to make me curious to the point where like, oh, that's something I haven't seen before. I'm interested in seeing or reading it. Here's a, here's a great um, um, test of, of, of writing something or anything for any writer. And it's, it's a simple one. It's like, write what you want to see. <laughs> you know, write the thing that you've never seen before that you're like, oh, I really like to see someone make a movie about that. What, what an idea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, a, you know, what a novel idea. I'll write the thing that's never been done that I always wanted to see done. So then I have to ask what happens to Joe and how does he ultimately reconcile with that job or leave it? And, and then I have to plan out, does he quit? Does he get fired? Does something happen to the producer? Does the producer get arrested? Because maybe the producer had um, a shady business on the side that no one knew about. Maybe he was involved in auto uh, he, he was part of an, a ring of uh, automobile scams. Mm -hmm. So he was in on it with doctors, lawyers, you know, workers' comp, all this stuff. So he's in on this. And he, that's how he was really making his money. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's funding the movies. Mm -hmm. And then he gets arrested and there's a padlock on the house and the garage and Joe's stuff is inside. He's got to get it out. So the sheriff has to come and let him in. And then he goes back home. Well, yeah, you could do that. You okay. could do that. Okay. You could do that. As long as it's organic, mm -hmm. as long as you feel that it's organic, and what you're telling me sounds fairly organic, but um, if it's not organic, if anything happens that does not seem organic to you as the writer, um, you should run from screaming, <laughs> you know. You know, run, just run screaming from anything that doesn't feel um, organic and natural to the characters. And this is something we haven't talked about, is character. Is that your character and what you've done is you built up a character, uh, character profile more so than a log line or a premise. And, um, and through that character profile, you have you have um, you have um, used that as a template to draw out what potential actions would occur given that situation. So um, so now we since we know who Joe's character is, you know um, we we get a sense of how that will play out. Character is a very very funny thing. It's very, very funny. Um, the reason why it's funny is because it's prescient. It's, 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 a, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cute little tool because it, it strings you along with like, oh, this is, you know, like, you know, it's not going to go where you think it is, but in a way, it always will. <laughs> so it's a, it's this little trick. It's like it's like it like gives you enough breadcrumbs to go. Okay, it's going to go exactly where you think it is, you know. But 
it, you know, it's going to look like it doesn't, you know, and that's what you do with character. Um, you, um, you, you, you set, you set up, um, the reader or the audience, um, based upon the person's behavior. Um, this also works in tandem with, um, with telling your story in the cut and, uh, and loading up your exposition in, um, in between those cuts. Because if, you're, if, 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 if you show the behavior of your character, for example, and um, you'll see this and stuff, like Lonergan does this, did this in, in Manchester by the Sea. It's like, uh, if, if you, you know, I go into a bar and, um, and I get into a brawl, you know every time I'm going to go into a bar in this movie. You don't even have to see me in the bar. You know? Um, you know there's going to be a brawl happening. You know? So, <clears throat> so, so that, that's the sort of thing um, that you can do with character that is, um, that is really, really fun um, and is really, really rich. Um, um, yeah, yeah, that's basically that. I feel like my character, Joe, is too much, he's too much of a good guy. Like, he needs some kind of quirk or idiosyncrasy. He's too, like, he's surrounded by interesting characters, but why would he stay in that situation? I feel like he's too flat. So I feel like I don't know who Joe is, I guess. He's okay. just like this guy that's surrounded by all these interesting people. Okay, who is Joe then? That's what I'm trying to figure out. So, <laughs> so Joe, maybe, okay, his dad had this gambling addiction. He found out that his college education was gone. So, Well, if, if his dad had a, a gambling addiction, mm -hmm. you know, well, he, has to, he has to have some, you know, some serious resentments, you know, about that. You know, sure. and, and, and those resentments probably manifest themselves in some kind of problem of his own. Um, 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 addicts have a tendency to, to, be, to beget addicts um, and certainly have a tendency to beget addicts in, in, in the terms of um, storytelling. So, um, you know, that's a very easy one to target. You can, there's a ton of things you can choose from, other um, psychological issues. Um, it, it could be it could be alcohol. He could be a cutter. He could be, it could be numerous things that you can use as um, as tools, you know. Right. So Joe's not just going to come out of the womb perfect then from, from well, he being around that. He, no, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't come out of that perfect because he's you know he's going to he's going to be resentful of his dad. Sure. You know, um, there there's you know there there's um, that dysfunction. In his family is going to be manifest in him, even if it is in, uh, even if it appears to be um, positive on the surface. Um, the, uh, that's always fun to do is to do that little ironic thing with a character, where the um, where the um, the negative aspect of that character looks like it's positive at first, but it's actually when taken to an extreme, it's negative. Would you mind giving me an example? Harrison Ford, Mosquito Coast. You so know, it looks as a positive. His where he, he he's a he's a good fought, protective father, but instead he takes his his family to some like remote location and like puts them through hell. 
Okay, you know? I see. I see. Um, it's you know you there is there is you can take things that are good and you can make them at their at an extreme bad um, at any time. Okay, so then maybe the movie opens with he and his dad um, betting on football games, and it's a father son bonding, and you think, wow, they have such a great relationship, but then you realize that some serious issues are happening. He's owed money, uh, the, you know, he has a bookie that he owes money to, and it's just it's getting out of control. But you don't see that at first. You just see this father and son watching these games, and you think, wow, that's really neat. Like they have this close relationship. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to a certain extent, his father can be a good father. Sure, he could be a good father, but still be you know this kind of loser. You know, um, there's tons of there's tons of humans like that. Sure, male or female, yeah. yeah. And so then I'm trying to think though how Joe would be scarred from that, but. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's where my trouble lies with this character is Joe is too perfect, surrounded by some people that they're not damaged maybe, they're just very interesting people, and I've got to make Joe not so one-dimensional. I think that's my problem, is that everyone else is more lively than the protagonist. Yeah, yeah. Or you can do some crazy stuff. <laughs> Let's hear it. Well, I mean, like, um, what I mean by that is is that um, there, there there's 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 other areas that you can go. Um, you can go you can go down the line like you're suggesting, or you can start to get meta with your character. Um, you can um, you can you can trade off your character with other characters in your story. You can you can make it appear to be about Joe, and then it actually starts to turn to be about somebody else in the story. Um, sometimes, sometimes like um, the Coen brothers will give equal parody to some characters, and you'll go like, "I thought this story was about this guy, and why is it now about this guy?" And 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 and. and, and that's because they're adept at pulling that off. You know, not every, I wouldn't suggest that a new writer should should go out there out the gate and, and try things like that. But the, the, you can do stuff like that. Um, it's you know the the don't you know you sh if you are if you are writing and you're having fun and you're in the zone so to speak. Um, you shouldn't you shouldn't be limiting yourself um, on ways that you can tell the story if the story wants to go there if it's organic um, if the story doesn't want to go there then you don't go there. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I really need to rework this character because it's not I'm not clear on who he is. I feel like I'm clear on some of the people around him and. He's not damaged enough or fully formed. So, well, well, you know, what would you do in this case? So, once again, have you written a screenplay before? I have not. No. Okay. So, so how would you approach writing this? Well, I think I would try to outline it. So okay. I would maybe do 
Um, I know what's been popular is this 24. I think it was Adam Skelter talked okay. about. He had a teacher that did the 24 plot points or whatever, mm -hmm. 24, 24 beats or whatever. Um, Which is the same as 12. But. 12, okay. All right. Which is doubled, yeah. Uh -huh. but, but And so I'm going to have the opening um, of maybe on the couch. And so, all right, we, we got the, you know, the popcorn and all the stuff for the game or whatever. Maybe maybe they're drinking together. Um, Joe, Joe's over 21. Um, and uh, it looks like they have this great moment. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from there, from that number one opening, and start... Um, and then we're going to see some stuff unravel at home, maybe some yelling with the mom. Um, and then, you know, the, the hard discussion about, I'm sorry, um, you're not going to be able to get to. Yeah, but whatever. after you're done with all that, mm -hmm. um, you're, you know, and you get all those, those points in there, um, you're going you're gonna to write it, right? Sure, in, in screenplay format. Yeah. Okay. So I may have screenwriting software. Okay. 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 Uh -huh. And then when you're when you're done writing it, you're going to have hopefully something that's going to be around like eighty to one hundred and twenty pages, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then then once you have that eighty to one hundred and twenty pages, the whole world changes. And I don't mean just like I don't mean like you know, necessarily the world of script. I mean, your world. Um, because you are going to come and look at that script with new eyes. And, um, and, and, and the new eyes that you bring to that script is going to, um, is, is, is going to have a profound effect on, on your protagonist and that main character. None of every, anything that you, um, that you come out with as a, um, as an idea for like an outline um, or a thought like that is going to is going to magically crystallize into the exact thing that you want. Um, what happens, at least to me, um, 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 quite often is that um, I'll start off with a vision of what I'm going for, and then along the way that vision changes. And then towards the end, it really starts to really dovetail towards the vision, the original vision, but not how I have expected, never how I expected. It dovetails towards the original vision, but never down the road I expected to get. That's when I know that it's organic because I will sit there and I'll go like, you know what? This is what I want to do. You, this is what new writers have to learn how to do. Um, to make the Sophie's choice between what you want to do and what's best to do for your script. You know, you might sit there and go like, you know what, I really want to do this because this is how I thought of it. No, no, that's not best to do for your script. What's best to do for your script is this over here because it's where your characters want to go. It's where your story wants to go. So you need to go in that direction. And you keep going into that direction until it all falls into place. That's the way it works. It doesn't work any other way, you know. Um, and I would defy any any 
um, successful writer to um, to um, to say to say anything otherwise about that experience. Um, it happens like that. It's like you're like, wow, it all worked out in the end, <laughs> you know. Um, but never to a T what you have going on up here <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> okay, so I won't really know what I'm working with until I take those 24 points and then I put them in screenplay format, write anything from 80 to 110 pages or thereabouts, and then maybe wait on it a week or so. And then I really am working with the beginning of the marble. That's right. Okay. That's right. Um, 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 Ernest Hemingway had a famous phrase, um, and um, I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm gonna use the, um, the, um, the sanitary version. (laughs) (laughs) Is that uh, every first draft is crap? Okay. 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 Or poop. Okay. Right, yeah. We'll keep it, yeah. <laughs> Every uh-huh. first draft is poop. Okay, good. Okay. And that that is a perennial. It'll never go away. <laughs> for, 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 for time and memoriam, for everybody. You know. Right. Every first draft is poop. Okay. Even if you think it, you're like, oh, no, this is great. No, it's poop. <laughs> you know, you're going to come back and you're going you're gonna to look at it and it's going to come together. The other thing about that is, and this is this is this is something every writer should know. Really, at the end of the day, um, with with my familiarity with the process and with all the writers that I've known on so many levels, um, successful, otherwise, and everything, there's no such thing as a finished screenplay. That medium never is complete. You may think it's complete. It's never complete. A screenplay is finished when the director calls action. That's when it's finished. There's no no designated finish to a screenplay. And if a writer ever takes that for granted... It's, they're, they're not doing their job. Writers should always be ready to come up to bat and say, I can make it better. Or I can, I can do this. I can like communicate this better. I can do if you're, if, at the If you're like on set and the, uh, and, and, and the director is, um, is shooting the film and, you, and he says, you know what? Tomorrow I'm about to shoot these like five pages. I I I'm not feeling it, and the producer's not feeling it. Can you go back and rewrite them? You're gonna go back and rewrite them. You're not gonna say I'm done. <laughs> okay. You're not gonna go. Oh no, it's finished. It's it, you know David Fincher. It's finished. <laughs> it's finished, David Fincher. I mean, no, that's all you. That's all you get out of me. You're not going to do that. You're gonna. You're gonna go. 
You're going to go home that night and you're going to rewrite those five pages for David Fincher and you're going to bring them the next day. And that's how it's going to go down. So, yeah, <laughs> there's no such thing as a finished screenplay. Okay. And so is it is it when the director calls cut or is it when he calls action or she calls action? It's when it's when um, he or she calls it action. Action, you know? okay. It's like um, because they're shooting it. Um, I mean, for hopefully they don't rewrite your your movie in post. <laughs> but you know, sometimes they do.